0: Three Point Range, back with you for evening edition, evening discussion. I know sometimes when we do that, it leads to uh, brilliant moments. And we'll see if this is one of those. Uh, This is Mike Berardino, joined as always by the scout, Kimball Crosley, the professor, Tim Crothers. And the professor, will start it off
1: well i i struggled to decide exactly what i wanted to talk about this week and i gotta say that that uh, a last minute bolt of lightning hit me and i decided i gotta talk about brett Maher. uh i'm just i've always been fascinated by the whole concept of field goal kickers this sort of you know this sort of skill finesse position in the midst of what is otherwise a a, a game of brutal violence as we've we've been reminded so many times in the last few weeks and uh it's just you know the whole thing is has always been fascinating to me in in the sense that uh and mike you can you know you can identify with this as someone who is who is you know soon will be coming out with a best-selling book on long snapping i think it's going to be uh I, i i hope your next book after that is a is a book about the psychology of field goal kicking because or just place kicking in general cuz uh i am fascinated by it i i just feel like i've never read the definitive story of you know i, I think it would be amazing to go and and talk to the great field goal or uh, place kickers in in the history of of the NFL and just talk about exactly what it is that you know what how what their mindset is i'm always just fascinated when a coach calls a timeout um, does that really affect them? I, I mean, nobody, I, I just don't feel like I've ever read the story that that really breaks that down and, and talks to some of the greats and, and finds out whether they're, whether that really has any any particular effect. But it, but if, if anything proved the psychology and the fragile psychology of, of, a, of a place kicker, there was certainly this this past uh, Monday night, when Meyer missed uh, an NFL record for four PATs in the same game, and uh, today uh, I was you know just reading a story where his his uh, position coach was talking about it, and he and he actually brought up the Y word, which I just thought was really interesting because Brett Brett Meyer was inter- was interviewed after the game, and he didn't really say much. He just said, you know, bad night for me. I. I'm going to try to you know work on it and get get back to myself for next week which is what you'd expect him to say um what I would wasn't expecting his position coach position coach to said, talk about was the yips um clearly I I'm I'm a I'm a believer that that is that is what happened uh I do believe that that's that he that he got the yips I just don't didn't expect someone on his own in his own organization to address it that way because it kind of as the it was the elephant in the room it was it was exactly what was going on the fact that he missed the first two wide right and then he overcorrected and missed the next one left um it just certainly appeared by by the naked eye that that's that was the issue he has and uh it it just brings up a fascinating uh dilemma moving forward for for the cowboys and that is you know you're you're gonna you gotta go to san francisco and win this game every point could count and can you even afford to risk let's say the first kick is is an extra point can you afford to risk uh this guy who you know he didn't just miss those four in a row he actually missed five in a row because he misses the last one in the regular season too, and then finally made the the last opportunity in the against tampa but uh but he's missed five of his last six point afters and yet here's this guy who i'm mean, you, you all probably know is is was if not the most reliable kicker in the nfl one of the two or three most reliable kickers in the nfl all season and then he just loses it in one game <laughs> i just think it is a freaking fascinating uh you know dilemma for 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 what the cowboys are now going to face um and you may have read today or you may have heard today that they did sign another kicker to the practice squad as kind of at Mar Insurance at this point and they're going to see how he does at the end of the week in practice and and kind of have this other guy available if if needed to step in but but then the question becomes are you really going to replace the guy who was just one of the best kickers in the NFL with just some guy some guy that you kind of dug up who's a journeyman a journeyman kicker and then and you're going to let that guy be the guy who may or may not determine the 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 uh, playoff future of the Cowboys. Wow. Just a, just a really fascinating dilemma. Um, I guess, you know, I guess if, if it were, if, if I were in Mike McCarthy's shoes at this point, I, you know, it, it might be worth as crazy as it seems, it might be worth the roster spot to carry that guy, to, to let Marr take the first kick. And, you know, if he makes it great, if he doesn't, you, I think you have to consider, Benching him and, and bringing this other guy out there because, uh, you know, anybody who's ever had the yips, and boy, I'll admit openly that I've had the yips playing golf in putting and realize, and when it when it strikes, uh, it's a, it is an incredible mental challenge to get over it, and that's just playing you know nine holes on the Muni. I, this playing the playing the uh, the Niners in a playoff game is a totally different matter and if he shows any sort of weakness i think you got to go i think you got to go to that backup kicker um, but yeah I, I figure mike with your both your your interest in in the whole special teams process the long snapping all of that and the fact that you told us the story of your your son dabbling in in place kicking uh, as a as a school kid i figure you've got a lot of insight into this so i'm i'm curious about your thoughts
0: well, thanks for the uh, book assignment. And uh, no, that's that is that is compelling. But one of the first things I'd say is that it, it it takes all three. It takes the, the it's an operation. And I didn't go back and look at all three of those. I don't know if the snap was perfect and the hold was perfect, but it's amazing. You're talking millimeters. Obviously, they don't. The kicker doesn't want to be kicking the laces. But even if the ball is just off, just just placed down, just just a little bit that's uh, not to their liking, uh, then something uh, horrible can ensue. So that whatever happened there, that was certainly became more mental than physical, but it's an operation. It, it takes three of them. And that's why each one of those is, we take it for granted. We get up, we we go get a, a snack. We, we we don't eat, which we, we put that point on the board in our mind, but uh, something still has to happen. And of course, you know, it's from 20 yards, it's from 30 yards now instead of 20. And that's been the case for a while. But uh, I just think uh, when you talk about uh, uh, just the, the shock value of it, I was in that Vikings uh, locker room after Gary Anderson, who I had to remind myself just how, how stunning that was, that in 1998 the Vikings uh, had just a super team, Randy Moss, uh, Randall Cunningham, they had every you know, Hall of Famers all around that, that team, and 15 to 1 in a regular season. And it comes down, to it, all they have to do to put away the Falcons, go to the Super Bowl for the first time in a decade, two decades at that time was a 38 needed one field goal, 38 yarder from Gary Anderson, and he missed. And it was the only time he missed all season. He was this is a guy who was the kicker on the NFL's all decade team of the eighties and the nineties. And we had to go up to him as media members after that game. And he was very gracious uh, and stood there and tried to explain the inexplicable. And, of course, it was his close friend, uh, Morton Anderson, uh, who ended up making his field goal and putting the Falcons into their first Super Bowl. That was the the whole – that's something I'll never forget. And uh, um, once you've seen that, um, you know, whatever happened to the poor guy from Dallas um, – it pales in comparison, especially because Dallas went on to win. Uh, Scott Norwood has that wide right over his uh, will be on his epitaph, um, and uh, there's so many others, the Florida State guys who had missed wide right as well before they finally broke through.
2: Well, what did he say?
1: Yeah, what <laughs> what did Gary Anderson say? Was he did he, was, he, cho- he didn't- did he say he choked?
0: no money quotes uh just one of those kind of the same kind of thing he was from South Africa it was very matter of fact it was a little like interviewing Ernie else probably after he might have let a lead get away and although Ernie else about twice the size of Gary Anderson but he was he was gracious he had no explanation he didn't shift the blame he just I just blew it sort of thing I don't know that that's paraphrasing but you know I uh, but the nice thing about the Gary Anderson story it's not like he then was never heard from again. He came back and kicked for a couple of different teams. Um, in fact, uh, finished his career. Wikipedia reminds me uh, as uh, one of the two final players ever allowed to wear the single bar uh, face mask. Yes. So he was not in hiding. He was uh, not trying to. We hide. So, uh,
2: I thought we
1: take should throw Google that away in. from him. So anyway, it all works.
2: I I actually have some. Uh, you know, it, it brings them some interesting thoughts for me that I don't know if you guys will agree are that interesting. But Free one throws. thing... One thing I... I find interest, first of all, I want to say, I bet you Mar is fine from here on out. And his his track record is pretty darn good. I mean, we're talking about a guy, I think he made 90% of his field goals. Yep. So,
1: you know, right. this year. But that's one season. And, and we all know that, you know, one season, yeah. season does not lead, lead necessarily... Mean, Uh, you know, carry over. He's look at relief pitchers.
2: Yeah, no, it it you know, it's it is fascinating, and and um, but I I my my bet is he's gonna be fine. The other thing I want to one of the other things I want to say is, um, I'm just amazed by the indignation (laughs) that I see even during the game, the reactions, and 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 I was watching. I like to watch the Manning cast for Monday nights, and and their reaction to this. And I want to say, like all these football players. I want to say, like, you do it then. You <laughs> kick the ball, fatso. Uh-huh. You know, like, like I, I don't get it. I don't get, like, why, why, like, they they just shot, like, and then this whole thing, like, you have one job. Well, guess what? When you're blocking, you got one job. When you're tackling, you got one job. And they always say, like, oh, how could he miss? He's got one job. It's like, well, it's not easy, Buster. <laughs> you know, I'm actually the best on the team at this. If you want to try it, go ahead. Um, the other thing that... I find interesting is I've heard this before. Like people want to do away with kickers in football, right? Because they think it's, it's just so different than the rest of the game. And I'm like, no, I mean, it's part of just having specialists on your team. I mean, the quarterback is very different position than wide receiver and linebacker and safety. And, and I, I, I'm always surprised. I don't know if you guys ever feel that way. You can comment on that, whether you want to do away with kickers. Cause you feel it's like not really football. I don't agree. Also, you know, it's funny with, if he could miss four extra points, he could miss five extra points. You know what? That's five points. When a guy drops a wide open touchdown pass, that's six right there. When all these other plays that happen, a holding call that brings back a, a touchdown, you know, anything, all these things that cost touchdown, take the play of the Baltimore quarterback that changed the whole game. You know, that was a 14 point swing. And then I, I was just so find it so surprising that like, this place kicker missing a few kicks has become such a a big thing in you know in terms of of like how crucial it's going to be to victory because i'm like you know what he can miss two more (laughs) it's probably not gonna be as big a deal as 10 other guys 20 other guys screwing up their job in some subtle way that we may or may not notice um
1: but that's it we don't notice those things are those things are happen and are forgotten and for whatever reason kicking is a different it is a different animal that's right. when when right. this guy missed i mean you know if 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 they if the cowboys had lost that game and cd lamb had dropped a touchdown pass and and uh and mar had missed missed four extra points and they lost the game by 3 nobody would have been talking about the the one cd lamb drop they would have been talking <laughs> right. about it. they would have been talking about the four that mar missed and there's a very good chance that he would not have been on the Dallas Cowboys next year, and right. Ceedee Lamb will, will be either way. So yeah, I mean that's right. the other thing about place kicking is it it feels so replaceable. You know, it's Ceedee Lamb is not that easy to replace. Brett Maher, obviously, they've already got another guy. They think, you know, if he misses his first extra point on uh, against the Niners, he may already be replaced. So yeah, I mean it's a, it's a different situation. Right.
2: And in most positions, there are backups. I mean, theoretically, if your quarterback develops the yips, you might go to your backup. Or if you're theoretically, you know, your wide receivers dropping pass after pass, you have other wide receivers. So the last thing I want to say about this is talk about overcoming the yips. And I I think the yips, you know, we've all had different versions of it in our, you know, anybody that thinks that's played any sport has had some version of it. What what do you guys think? I have my own theory, but what do you think the key to overcoming the yips is?
0: Well, you certainly like you uh, focus on focus on the uh, on the outcome you want. You don't where you don't try to speak. You don't speak the uh, the the uh, disaster into existence. You just you have a mantra and you focus on the on the very basic thing that takes you closer to what you're doing. Technical. We've talked about this on the show before, whether it was teaching pitching or. Or, or putting or whatever, but you're certainly not going to say to yourself, "Don't do something," because then that's what you'll do.
2: I think yeah, it's more pumpkin. That I mean, that's part of it, maybe. But Tim,
1: I I don't know the answer. I can tell you that <laughs> I can tell you that as soon it, it's it is a total it's a total psycho thing because basically you know if I if I miss one putt with the yips because of the yips in a round, chances are I'm not I'm not able to put it out of my mind the rest of the way and that's you know i think that's why this is so that's why it was so fascinating to me that that the coach actually brought it up because i i don't think like i said i don't think brett maher is gonna is going to think about or try he's gonna try not to think about this in terms of the yips whether or not he feels that way or not uh once you sort of speak that into existence that that in my mind makes it even more difficult to to overcome so well did you um,
2: find as a golfer that focusing on the mechanical thing you did wrong or changing something mechanically, even if it's just to change it, so you're thinking of that and not an outcome that, right?
1: that's what you try to do. Yes. That is what you try to do. And, but and since I'm not I, a golfer, like
2: how subtle is that little mechanical change and how difficult is
1: it, obviously. I and mean, you know what
2: it's so common?
1: You know what you want to do, but yeah, because because it is at least that at least a putting stroke is such a fragile uh you know a fragile performance that you're doing it's it's not i don't think it's something that you can just will i think because it just hit the slightest little nervous tick in a putting stroke you're going to miss a butt and and i and it's totally in your head i mean there's no doubt it as much as you as much as you might try to execute something physically correctly if your head balks at the last second which is what happens on a on a yipped putt there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, I've, I've never been able to, you know, it, it, it is something that I think the only way to to avoid it is is to somehow put it out of your mind. And that's that's a very difficult thing to do. <laughs> that's,
2: that's scary. I like to think of saying, like, because, you know, again, not a golfer, but I just think, well, putting, is it just tension in your hands? I mean, there's nothing you can say like, oh, my, my index finger is doing this too much.
1: I mean, there's a million, you know, that's, there's, there are, some of the greatest golfers in the world are constantly changing their putting stroke because for that very reason is they're trying to figure out a way to take, to take the yips out of, out of the, out of the equation. And some of the greatest putters in the world have switched putting strokes time after time, after time, because they, the, the yips just keeps catching up to them. And I get it because I'm, I'm a victim of it for sure.
2: Mike, are you a do away with kickers boy?
0: Oh no, no! I, I, kind of I certainly not. Uh, I uh, I'm fascinated by their out uh, outlandish importance uh, so many times, and the fact that uh, their names, whether they missed a huge hugely important kick or not, I just find them. They're just names that uh, I could I could I could get all kinds of ding points right now if I wanted. But I'm going to give you one more. Uh, Martine Gramatica, you may recall, <laughs> didn't get a chance. Didn't get a chance to. Win a game for the Cowboys 16 years ago now uh, because of a botch snap, and do you remember which Romo, Dallas Cowboys yes. quarterback yes. couldn't couldn't handle the snap and put down his Probably
1: Tony Romo.
0: Tony Romo, whatever happened to him? He probably he'll probably never made. It I really wish. I
2: really wish Tony Romo. You know, he's so good. I think other people might disagree, but as a color guy, and he sounds so intelligent. I think
0: he's. I think he's, he's, he's kind of uh, just, well, anyway. just doing going through the motions now. With the I, I he he's lost his clairvoyance.
2: But, well, I I, and I haven't obviously listened to every moment of every Tony Romo broadcast, but I feel like I want him to say more about like, hey. I did some stupid things as a quarterback (laughs) and, and what made him do those things, you know, because he, again, he sounds so intelligent and you like to see him, hear him say like, well, when sometimes I saw red and I just, I did things that I knew I shouldn't do or whatever. I don't know. Um, It'd be one of those things you'd love to find out.
1: This is a classic three point range tangent. Where, where, where are we? Sorry, we well,
0: we've we've just wrapped up point number one right. and uh we're going to go to point number two that will have nothing to do with any of the seven things we just discussed. And this will be Kimball's turn.
2: It might it might delve a little, but I don't know. Anyway, because it is about the NFL and I think the NFL should feel very lucky right now after this. F- Crazy wild card weekend, the biggest wild card weekend ever with
1: super six, wild card weekend,
2: super <laughs> duper, super duper extra scooper wild card weekend, where maybe now they'll have sixteen teams and twenty teams make the playoffs next year. Thirty, maybe everyone makes the playoffs, and you know I just think that's ridiculous. I think it was ridiculous to expand to fourteen playoff teams. So I think it was ridiculous to have six wild card games. I just think they're watering down the product. I'm a big believer in finding a deserving champion. And part of that is a healthy balance between regular season and postseason. And it's just, I, I just think they're lucky that they didn't have more of, a, more of a disaster. Because they had several undeserving teams in my mind in the playoffs. And a couple almost snuck in there including Mike's dolphins, <laughs> you know, almost beating the bills. And that would have been really bad. Um, and I just, I just hate that. I mean, I just hate that about sports When we see it in other sports, you know, I, I, I don't want Mike to start reciting names, but I kind of, you know, cause it's vague in my memory, but like, you know, Dell Harris's Houston rockets were like what? 40 and 40 and 42. Yeah. And the, I Kansas City, Omaha Kings, maybe thirty eight and forty four. I have some vague memory of that. Just these water the Royal. playoff teams, like getting on a miracle run, and it's just I hate it. And and what makes it so especially bad is in the NFL you have single game elimination in the playoffs, obviously, and we're seeing more and more, not less, how fluky NFL games can be, and how how. The strangest things can decide them. And I don't know if it's just the, the speed of the game, the intensity, the um, how dynamic it is. But I think a lot of it is just simply, as we've discussed many times, some really stupid rules and some really stupid officiating and some really questionable <laughs> officiating. Going back to like us talking about how the ball is spotted for God's sakes and and whether there should be a chip in it or not and how ridiculous it is when you have these replays of a scrum at the goal line and we're just guessing and if we luck out and have the right angle, we maybe make a better call and replay. Roughing the passer, of course, is a joke. Like what what constitutes these huge roughing the passer calls versus not. Pass interference, of course. Even refereeing on the most, you know, simple calls like obviously holding we had the the chargers game you know swung on 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 a non-holding call that that really made a big difference and it just it's so it becomes it just you're putting so much more opportunity for the the fluke result and the tainted win and i i don't like it now you guys might i think tim has talked a lot about deserving teams winning i don't know if he feels the same way about deserving teams winning long-haul championships as opposed to in a single game. Mike, of course, just cares about who he bet on. But what do you guys think? Do you, do you share this or do you just love the wild and wacky and bring on more, bring on 16 playoff teams, 18, 20, whatever you want?
1: So basically you're saying just pare down the playoffs so that there'll be fewer opportunities for, for the, the good teams to lose is what you're saying.
2: Well, I just, I don't like, for example, uh, a team that finished under 500 hosting a playoff game because they won a division, a four-team division. Whenever you have a four-team division, you're running into trouble because it's not that hard for four teams to suck and then to say you were the best of these four and now you just host the game because we know home field advantage is big uh-huh. in the playoffs. You know, I don't like s- uh, sub-500 teams having a chance to make the playoffs, which they have because of this. I, I just... I don't like uh, a team that might go thirteen and three to then have their season in the balance because some, you know, nine and eight team is the is the last wildcard team. I I don't like any of that. So
1: should, should UNC have not been in the NCAA tournament last year?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, you can make a good argument for that, and and I certainly like. I never felt too much pride over UNC season. I, it was like sort of fun, and, and and I was you know skeptical, but yeah, like I I, I am definitely not happy with. The NCAA tournament, I've talked about it on this show. Like, I like how how so many teams get in, and like, you know, we deserve a chance at the national championship. Why? Because we were seventh at our conference. We couldn't come in the first six of our conference, but we think we're the best team there. But basketball is a different sport. The way they play at the season, the conferences now, especially, are a joke with these monster conferences and not playing everybody and strength of schedule. So there's a lot of problems there. But yeah, I, I, I don't like that. I, I think there's, there's better ways to, you know, more deserving ways, I should say, to to um, find champions.
1: I will agree with you that we always get really excited when a fifteen beats a two, and then we realize, oh crap, we're now we're stuck with this fifteen. <laughs> fifteen is going to be a complete waste, and we're going to really miss that that number two that really had a chance to win win the national championship. But 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 now they're gone, and so we're stuck with you know East Tennessee State going out and getting routed in their next game in a game that should never have happened. So, yeah, I, I, am with you as far as, um, you know, in, 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 in that respect, I do think that, um, I agree. You know, I want, I want to see the bills play another game. I don't, I don't want to see the dolphins play another game. Um, and you know, I, to some extent I I would have felt that way. I certainly would have felt that way if, if the bucks had beat beat the Cowboys, even though I have no love for the Cowboys. But yeah, uh, I, I'm with you as far as as far as that's concerned. I'm not, you know, I don't know that one more game is really that big a difference. But you know, I guess it could have been if we if we had if some of those results had had held up. Um, so yeah, to the the extent that I would like, I, I do want to. I'm much more excited to to see uh, the Bills play the Bengals than I would have been at the dolphins whoever who they would have played if they'd won yeah that's that's a game that you would hate to have seen spoiled because i think that might be the game the best game of the weekend to come
2: we we it's not just one more game we've gone from you know 8 to 10 to 12 playoff mm-hmm. teams you know
1: right but in in for many of them that just means one more game is what i'm saying you know they're playing one more they're going to play one more playoff game to get to 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 get to the super bowl so, yeah, I mean, that's one more game that they could lose, certainly. And that's that I, I do want to see when it gets down to the final four. I would love it to be the best, the four best teams. And that doesn't always happen in a lot of sports because there are a lot of there are a lot of playoff games and especially the one and duds. So, yeah. We'll, well let for, you talk, Mike. What do you got?
0: Oh, geez. I don't know uh, if if it just. Uh, it strikes me that. um if you know, I'm kind of with Kimball on this. That uh, I, I'm always uh, looking for a, a chance for the long haul excellence to be proven out, if possible, in the postseason, and and uh, that's certainly better than some fluky uh, champion uh, that uh, just gets hot at the right time, which seems to happen, I think, the most in the NHL when you, you have to get the hot goalie. But
1: um, I don't know I, about I that. Would, because. At the NHL, you gets you got to win, you know, four out of seven. Yeah. That, that seems that seems to me to sift normally uh, sift. Been... Out. I mean, when was the last time a crazy underdog won that won the Stanley Cup?
0: I don't know. I I just brought that up because I know about the hot goalie. But <laughs> I will St. tell you this,
2: St. Louis. I'm surprised I know the answer. To I will time. tell you this. Uh, we're
0: missing we're missing so many chances to handicap. And you know, we could we could we could make it more difficult for say an eight and nine Tom Brady led Buccaneers team to even have a, ch- I mean, obviously they're, they're out. We don't have to worry about that. But if, imagine if you had said, um, you know, any, for any team that, uh, well, maybe a couple of things we could have jamboree style wild card <laughs> where oh. they come out there, like you see it in high school mm-hmm. and like, wait, no, wait. The two wild card teams come out and you got the Chiefs off there on the side and they're just waiting to face the winner of one 10-minute period. What about that? <laughs> they come out there and whoever survives oh, that, then they then they play the Chiefs. And then, they. furthermore, that team, that fluky team, will, will not be allowed to use any challenge flags. They don't no, get to challenge it. anything throughout the game. I would be very much in favor of that and failing that. Um, I don't know. Then the, the team that won the division for every field goal attempt by the unworthy non division champion the oh, division stop. champion will designate <laughs> well you can designate when you can designate who's going uh, so to
1: shoot
2: the Stop it! Tim, do you
1: remember when this started I, I just like, want to i just want to say one more thing about let's about hamper them let's
0: really hamper them
1: well oh. that's that's what that's what I, what Kimball has suggested when it comes to like baseball series and stuff, he's talked about. Oh, well, well why yeah, don't we just same. give one team a one nothing lead to start? So, Kimball, would you then would you be happy if we just said, okay, Dallas leads fourteen to nothing. Now we start the game.
2: Was well, that- you know, it's it's funny. If I thought if I could think of a logical football equivalent, I might. But um, what about double elimination? You know- uh, you know, yeah, the home field teams. is home field is a big one in football, but um, that's uh, going back to the NHL. That's the problem with effort sports. Right. Um, one of the reasons I, I think baseball feels different to me is because it's not so much about will and desire. And so we really know that that 100 win team was 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 really did so many things wh- well. Whereas hockey, I think one of the factors that happens uh, is is remember hockey was the first there was at one point 21 nhl teams and 16 made the playoffs that is criminal that was criminal you play 80 games of effort blood and guts and teeth on the ice to eliminate five teams and then your reward is let's go and slug it out for like the slog of 16 teams in the playoffs and i used to think yeah i would pace myself i would say guys chill you know, save it, save it for the playoffs. And I do wonder with hockey, if there's an element of that, I really do. Whereas I don't think in some other sports you can really do that. So I think, I don't know if that's a factor too. And football, there's a big pace yourself factor, I think, theoretically, like, you know, you got banged up guys, you don't want to use them. Um, and and uh, I think that there's a factor there too, that that's why I don't know if I would sort of handicap in that way.
0: All right, we're going to take our break here. Two thirds of the way through, listening to Three Point Range. You can find us on uh, Spotify and Google Podcasts and Amazon and various other podcast outlets. We have a Facebook page, we have a uh, Substack page, and we appreciate you finding us here at Three Point Range. So, one more point I'll try to have a point uh I just wanted to throw this out there that it, it, sometimes and I think we're on the record here at this uh at this podcast that sometimes there can be too much of a good thing um sometimes uh, we you know a little bit of access it, it goes a long way one thing you don't want to have is so much access to the combatants to the coaches to what's really happening in the game that you're somehow repulsed and i uh i found myself uh uh, in the latter category watching the uh, mountain west experiment last night what otherwise was a throwaway game just flipping around the channels and uh, new mexico is good again uh under uh the turnaround has been orchestrated by richard patino and san jose state is not good tim miles is their coach, best known Ding. for getting fired at Nebraska, I believe. But um somebody thought it would be a good idea. Now we're in the era of, of you know, mic'd up, and this was this was considered an all access game. And what struck me was I, I was not aware of it till I was kind of half watching, and I'm hearing the game continue, and I'm hearing running commentary in gravelly, angry voices <laughs> and 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 I would like, wow, those 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 broadcasters are really. What's wrong with them? And then I and I'm now I, I flip it on. I really pay attention. And this is going on for the entirety of the game. It's not. I mean, it's kind of dangerous to let two coaches. I guess they had some kind of delay. And of course, I was streaming it. But the thing, a couple of things that really struck struck me was, uh, Tim Miles, uh, like many of us. Uh, thinks he's funny. I didn't find him to be that funny, at least the snippets that I was hearing. And then Richard Petino, no one was listening to him in the huddle. We had a tight shot in the huddle. We've seen this for decades. I remember some of these Digger Phelps days in the 70s. I remember watching those NBC games and they'd bring you right into the huddle for a, a quick snippet. But we were in there for the whole two and a half minute where he's just repeating himself. He's using jargon. He's, he's, it's all coach speak he's uh he's, he's no profanity but the players there's no humor there's no there's no there's, there's, there's no connection the players are just staring in the space even Jamal Mashburn Jr whose father uh, owes everything to Rick's Richard Petino's dad um as a young player and it just struck me that what a missed opportunity but i just hope that because there's so many i made a quick list of people that i would and i hope you guys will chime in later on with some of your best and worst, or your own personal request. Could be modern, could be all-time. But uh, you could not have picked two guys who were less compelling in the running commentary of this all-access. I mean, if, there, if two people could kill this idea once and for all, uh, it would be the Miles and Richard Patino combo. Now, um, some others that I would like to request Currently, I mean, just off the top of my head, I I think Bobby Hurley would be great to listen to, whether Arizona State was playing well or not. I think they are playing well again because he takes it so personally and he lives and dies with every possession. He's funny. Jim Laranega would be great. Mike Bray, it'd be a lot easier to watch their games if we could hear what he was muttering. Under his breath, uh, Hubert Davis would be fine. There's so many. Bill Self, you know, he's got that smirk all the time. It does look like he would be. So rather than just giving us this, the 20 seconds uh, before they run off to the locker room at halftime and they just they remind Holly, you know, real quickly that they've got to defend and they, they've got to, uh, you know, get quality shots. I, if we're going to do... Shaka Smart would be great with this, I think. Rick Patino the elder, would be great with this. But Nate Oates but not the two guys we just had. And, uh, yeah, it, it just struck me that, uh, it, it, is this where it's going? Because um, it does seem, we've talked about baseball and how we don't really think the, the invasive in-game interview or the mic'd up player uh, on the field is a good idea. Well, I, I'm not sure that we're too, I mean, it's a regular season game. This I don't think we're too far away from seeing perhaps even the NCAA games, maybe a championship game at some point. Well, and by the way, that they, when they when they are using all that coach speak, Kimball would have understood all of it. But uh, you know, they're, they're they're referring to Zoom plays. I think I know what that means now. But uh, you know, very specific. Dallas is one of the plays apparently uh, that uh, that uh, Patino favors, and we're hearing a lot about Dallas. But. Uh, They're saying things that maybe if the other team had access to that broadcast, which you can uh, right behind, uh, you know, 60 feet away on on a phone, uh, maybe it would swing the course of the game. So I don't know. I I, uh, that was I'm I'm been spending all day trying to uh, unhear what uh, what I heard there. And uh, and, you know, if you stream and you want to find it somewhere and subject yourself to, uh, again, gravelly repetition uh, in a basketball context, mic'd up. It was Tim Miles and Richard Patino. So who should be on for you guys? Who did
1: I not mention?
2: Well, I'm a... not going Go ahead, Tim.
1: There's a reason that those two guys were the guys who were chosen because obviously that's that was the only reason to to watch that game. And big, bigger coaches, I think, uh, bigger program coaches are not going to risk putting themselves in that situation even if you have the sec- 7 second delay and some sort of agreement that that uh, you know that that they would be edited in some way and part of that is because my feeling is that as as you have suggested that anytime you get in that huddle and you can't and you can't actually hear what they're saying they're never saying anything i mean it, it's just it it's it's all it's something that i've always been fascinated with like, you know sort of along the lines of what goes on on the head of a field goal kicker I, I'm always kind of curious as to, you know, what, if anything actually gets done in those huddles, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of mad scribbling on the grease board. And as you suggested, not always a lot of attention being paid by the the players that often they're drinking water or they're looking around or whatever. I mean, not everybody seems to be always too clicked in. And I guess, I guess I would appeal to the coach. Of our group, and uh, and here be curious as to what he has to say. I mean, are your, Do you feel like you always have the full attention of of your your players in that situation? And how do you kind of handle it if you don't?
2: Well, full attention. No, you wish you did. And even when they're looking you in the eye, you know, you know that there's so much going on inside their head that they could be just like, you know, tuning you out. Even when you're trying to address them, the most specific thing. I wish I had uh, heard this broadcast and I can't believe it. I, 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 I I totally disagree. I think what we've seen is not what you would see. And that is when we, when they show a huddle and they show, you know, uh, an NBA coach like Steve Kerr say, like, you know, like, come on now, let's, let's get back in this, let's get our heads in the game and whatever. And some, you know, just generalities, I've got to think maybe not in the NBA, who knows it, but maybe in college basketball, at least no, there's specifics going on. And I'd be shocked if there weren't specifics. I swear, if you, if when I talk to my team, it's almost always specifics. I'm never like,
1: let's make a little
2: run. Let's, uh,
1: let's, let's uh,
2: really focus. That's really, you know, whatever. It's usually like, is that the, really, is that
1: your coaching voice?
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, he <laughs> really, like, wanted a grappling voice. No, you, um, No, it's almost always like, especially high school, you wish you had more timeouts. You're always trying to clean up stuff. And so you really have an agenda and then you try and simplify because you want to be 10 things, but usually like, hey, come on now in our press break, remember inbound, you got to stay behind the ball there. And you got, and you're usually doing reminders like that, you know, and hey, when we run this set, you got to get foul line extended and and it's only going to work if you get foul line extended and then you're trying to dribble towards the block and that will free up a teammate, you know, like, just giving you a couple examples. You're almost always like, you know, one of my last games. Like, all right, on that ball screen, we know we've got to switch that. We're we're just automatic. All switch. right, all
0: right, I'll do it. I'll do it. All right, right. Would you would no, you ever I'm allow? So
2: I, would you ever no, allow
0: a coach from the other assistant from the other team or a parent or ever come over and just
2: monitor your huddle well, so that they can well,
0: scurry down and tell the other team what happened? Because I'm I have to believe well, that. This well, let could me have just happened. say,
2: my my system is not incredibly scheme oriented. I've always believed part of my mentors, like your sets, you know, have counters and, and I would always say they're not secrets. And so like, like the, the sets I run, you know, I don't try and disguise what they're called. I, I, you know, I say what they are because as I learned long ago, like, you know, Oh my God, my kids have a hard time, hard enough time remembering them. When I tell them exactly what they are, I'm not too worried about the other team. Like, Knowing all our plays and memorizing them and knowing them better than we do, um, but th- what I what I question is I can't believe that. Like, and if and and if if they were not censoring what they were saying, I can't believe you didn't get very specific things from coaches about what to do in a basketball game because you're you are making adjustments. You know, you are saying like, hey, remember we can't we can't you know double off him and and the double teams got no. Come I, from no, I,
0: I said they were. They I um, mean Richard so, especially was. So- was super specific, but there'd be these long gaps. He he was almost like uh, the, the camera was right; he just stayed right there for the whole. And I, sometimes they would bounce to the other huddle to to Miles, but uh, in these he had in like, these long gaps, he would just sit there and and you know let him, maybe let them catch their breath. But then something would come to mind, and he would say blah 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 blah, and he'd well, remind them about this. And 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 it would be a twenty second burst, if not a 10 second burst, and then yeah, pipe down again.
2: That might be a result of this because. You know, in a high school game, the timeout's incredibly fast. We don't have TV timeouts. You know, they're precious. A high school game goes very fast. Yeah, how long college are they? Bas- college, 60 seconds or 30. In yeah, cool. college basketball, you know, it's a two-and-a-half-minute break whether you want it or not. And, and you know, you see a lot of college teams, they'll stall, like not stall, they'll try and use the time, they'll max it out. So the coaches will huddle first, Yes, you know, and talk, which is smart to use your time because, again – even if you could talk for two and a half minutes you don't want to fill their head with two and a half minutes of talk so i think you might be seeing some selective talk there hopefully like they they probably could say a lot more but they know like i'm not going to give them 20 ideas we're going to come out of this one time out with one idea about what we're going to do better maybe two but the rest we are just gonna like let them take a, a mental break or certainly a physical break um i don't know but i think that sounds fascinating as much as i yes i'm against the mics in the dugout and and as a coach, you probably wouldn't want it. I don't think Bell Belichick would ever allow this, but you, um, it, to me, it sounds fascinating. If it was truly unexpurgated and you really heard everything, that would be really cool to me. So I, I just can't believe we'd ever get to that point, but it sounds like we did last night. I, I, I'm shocked. I'd have to see if I can go find a rebroadcast of that and see if it is interesting. And by the way, I don't know what a zoom, whatever you were saying is uh, a <laughs> no. zoom.
0: Zoom cut pretty, apparently pretty you just kind of come off right. a come off a screen, and you and you just zoom to the rim apparently. But uh, yeah,
2: I'm sure it's a little more complicated.
1: And <laughs> answer this for me. This is a little bit off off on a tangent, but but sort of the same idea. Isn't I mean, this is just something that's always been fascinating to to me is when a te- you know, when two ACC teams play each other and you're scouted all up and down and you've already probably played him once that season and and the guy comes down the court and he calls a play doesn't the other team know exactly what that play is i, I, I mean think i know. don't i don't get it i mean no I mean, they
2: they often do tim but again a really good play is counters right so even if you say like you see them um, you know what horns is you know how many college teams are running horns where you have two post setting screens at the elbows and, and two wings in the corners and, you know, basic horn set. That is a great set, and you can cheat it. You can know it's coming. You can do whatever you want. The counters and the spacing are so good that it's all about execution. And then you pick and choose what what you try and do. So if you say like, "Hey, we're going to be really aggressive, stopping the ball off the screen," you know, it's like, "Okay," but then you're you're a little more vulnerable to the roll. But okay, we're going to do a really good job on the roll. But okay, what about the other post popping? And it's about picking and choosing. And so, like again, what you see is like. Uh, what you see in the NBA, whether it's like a make or miss league is everyone knows what they're doing and they have these counters, but it's like, comes down to like, who did we leave open and how did he shoot that night? So when the bad shooter actually went four for eight from three, you win. And when he goes one for eight, you lose. Um, But I I think it's more like that. And of course, you might know what they're going to run, but you don't know every little nuance because good luck, again, learning entire team's playbook and how how they really run it you know, uh, game after game, night after night.
1: Haven't you seen it? I mean, can't you get the film and you see it over and over and over again? I mean, right, but I, just seeing it over and, and couldn't over. You, you couldn't you practice it? against it over and over and over
2: again? You, you can do, but again, like you can you can practice. But again, just like your own plays. That's why I said, I, I believe in out executing. I don't believe in like, we're going to run this trick play that if they don't know what's coming, this guy's going to get an open layup. It's more about like, we're going to run this really sound play you know, that that again, if they try and take away A, we know they're leaving open B. And if they try and take away B, then we go to C. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's it's more like that. And and then it's about how well you do those things. Like if like uh you know, I've got a really good point guard who's really good defending the ball, so I know that I'm not too susceptible to point guard penetration. I got other weaknesses I gotta worry about. And other teams have their own. Like, they're like, we'd love to do a great job stopping their best ball handler from driving, but we got nobody that can do it. So we're automatically always in help and then we're always rotating. Things like that.
1: Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tr- treat to-
2: That's
0: I'll her, treat. Her, her dad wasn't listening. But, uh, uh, or I guess you were speaking in the general term, right? Is that what it was? In generalities? Or I think are you speaking I just about complimented her a great deal. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Yes, this is all available on uh, on our Mic'd Up, our All Access, which is archived, and uh, it's three-point range. So uh, you can, we'll post this later on at uh, at our Facebook and our Twitter, and we thank you as always for listening, for Tim Crothers, the professor, for Kimball Crosley, the scout, the coach, uh, this is Mike Berardino, and we'll see you next time.
1: Mike, I want a book on holders, holders also, a book on holders.
0: Okay, that is Tony Romo, first chapter.